sharing our faith and passion for the Lord Jesus Christ with others is a desire of Zion Christian Fellowship. Our prayer is that this message will have a lasting impact on your life and draw you closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. This message is not copyrighted. You are free to make copies for friends and neighbors. We only ask that you copy it in its entirety without alterations or changes. Now unto the King Eternal, Immortal, Invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to, it's good to be here. And uh, I was very blessed with Andrew's message this morning. Um, <clears throat> kind of a foundation, maybe, of what God laid on my heart. And uh, just, uh, yeah, the love, love, our love for God love for each other, importance of that, and um, abiding in Him. This morning I uh, <clears throat> want to talk about three things that you cannot do without, and uh, I've been listening to, I actually listened to a message about a while ago about, uh, <clears throat> or from uh, Billy Graham, and he preached a message about three things that you cannot do without. And it just uh, inspired me to share that burden here as well. Um, <clears throat> we have a lot of things that we enjoy in this life and could do without if we needed to. Um, just some interesting facts. Did you know that indoor plumbing became commonplace just about 140 years ago? So, man lived for about 6,000 years on this earth up until the last 140 years without indoor plumbing. And uh, no, no showers, no toilets, no wash bowls, no sinks. I'm sure they had versions of that, but not indoor plumbing. <clears throat> also, uh, by 1925... That's less than a hundred years ago. Um, half of the homes had electricity in the U.S. <clears throat> so less than a hundred years ago, the uh, electricity was expanding the grid and stuff. But only half, only around half of the homes had electricity um, by 1925. <clears throat> it was in the early 1900s that cars began to be mass-produced. Some of you children should ask your daddy sometime what year the house that you live in was, was built. I think there's probably some, actually more than just one or two houses that we live in that were built in that time frame, around 1900. <clears throat> Which is before there was really cars on the road. I mean, they were invented already before that, but when they started being mass-produced for the general public to have, it was around early 1900s. <clears throat> um, the first Walmart store opened in 1962. Could I have a raise of hands who was born here before, who here was born before 1962? There's a few. 
what did you do without Walmart? <laughs> and all the things that we get at Walmart. <clears throat> Maybe you went to Amazon. Oops, I guess not, because Amazon was founded in 1994. So that is a very young company compared to the history of the world. And a lot of people get a lot of things at Walmart and Amazon. So we have many, many things these days. And we like our things. And having things isn't wrong. That's not my message today. But uh, there may come a time, a day, when we have to deal with that a lot of the things that we enjoy today. If the uh, economy keeps doing what it's doing, we don't know what's going to happen. Might have to learn how to live without electricity after a while again. (laughs) Immanuel Kant is a man that once said, A man is rich not by what he owns, but by what he can do without. So uh, that's just kind of an interesting thought. You're rich not by what you own, but by what you can do without. But uh, the Bible says that there's at least three things that we cannot do without. We cannot do without at least three, at least these three things that we're going to look at. Firstly, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, And without shedding of blood... There is no remission. So, uh, if we want to go to heaven someday, if we want to be forgiven of our sins, if we want to uh, live in eternity with Jesus, we cannot do without the shedding of blood. Remission, in this verse, means forgiveness or pardon of sins. Letting them go as if they had never been committed. God for pardons or forgives us of our sins, letting them go as if they had never been committed. Remission of the penalty. It is a, a freeing of the penalty of sin. Without bloodshed, you could never be forgiven. There have been studies done that show that all people groups worldwide have at some time or another practiced blood uh, sacrifice, and most of them practice human sacrificing. The Aztec Indians in Mexico would take 20,000 people per year and offer them on their altars to to their gods. 20,000 people per year. How do these uncivilized and ungodly people know that it takes bloodshed to, for remission or for atonement for their sins? <clears throat> I, I think that God, I guess I feel like God has instilled in each one of us an awareness that it takes blood to atone for our sins and that's their attempt to that's their attempt to please or appease their gods and stuff and we know that that doesn't work. That's not God's way. But God does require bloodshed to atone for sins. 
Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. In the Old Testament, there was much animal blood shed by the commandment of God for atonement of sin. Adam and Eve tried to cover their sins by, uh, with fig leaves, and it didn't work. God had to slay an animal, or slay animals, or I don't know how many, but blood was shed for them to be covered. And uh, <clears throat> go to Cain and Abel. Cain, Cain, uh, Abel's sacrifice had blood in it, and it was accepted by God. Cain's didn't. And his wasn't accepted. <clears throat> in Egypt, God said that he would destroy or kill the firstborn of every house, I believe it was. <clears throat> and uh, the Israelites were given clear instructions on how to, what to do. They were to slay an animal and put the blood on the doorpost. And then the angel would come that night. And if he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It wasn't when I see your righteousness or when I see how often you go to church or where you go to church or what clothes you wear. It was when I see the blood, I will pass over you. That was their salvation. And it is a type, I believe, of the blood of Christ on our lives, in our, in washing our sins and cleansing us. <clears throat> John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Why did he call Jesus the Lamb? <clears throat> it was because he was going to shed his blood as a lamb to take away the sin of the world. And that blood can cleanse you of every sin you've ever committed, just as if you'd never sinned. <clears throat> if you are guilty of a single sin, one single sin, when you die, God cannot give you access without God cannot give you access into heaven. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. <clears throat> That's just a fact that God has very clearly in the Bible. When Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, God was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you so much that I'm sending my son. Willing to send my son to die. <clears throat> Jesus died on that cross and shed his blood. God accepted that sacrifice for you and I. <clears throat> Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Revelation 12, verse 11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. If Jesus would not have been willing to go to the cross and pay the ransom for my sins and for your sins, we could never be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> so the second thing that we can't do without is uh, in, in, found in Hebrews 6. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. Please Him. <clears throat> so God has already done His part on the cross. And um, this is our 
work. This is our part, is to believe. So what is faith? What really is faith? Faith is believing and receiving what God has revealed. And it can be defined as that trust in the God of the Scriptures and in His Son, Jesus Christ, whom He sent. For salvation, faith is a personal trust apart from any works in Jesus Christ. We have salvation through faith and through faith alone. I cannot work my way into heaven. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 say, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 4, verse 5 says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Not even 1% of my salvation depends on, what I, on my works. <clears throat> Not even 1%. After we receive Christ by faith, we prove our faith by our works. <clears throat> Billy Graham says, My salvation does not depend on even 1% of what I do or am. It depends in, entirely on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and the fact that I received him as my Lord and Savior. But after I am saved, I am sinning every minute and every day if I am not working for my Savior and abiding in Him. <clears throat> James 2.26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Hebrews 11.6 says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. <clears throat> Again, just emphasizing the uh, importance of us having faith. It is impossible to please Him without it. Mark eleven twenty two says, Have faith in God. It's an imperative. It's a command. John, 1 John three twenty three says, And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a commandment. Believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. It is our duty to believe. <clears throat> It is our only hope. We cannot do without it. I'd like to ask a question, and if anybody wants to answer, you're welcome to. Is faith a feeling in our hearts? It's not a trick question, just a... Is it, is it a feeling? What is it? Not a feeling. <clears throat> This is something that I've wrestled with for years. And honestly, still do at times. Just, you know, what, how, how do I know that I'm believing? Or how do I have faith without having that feeling sometimes? But I've come to believe that faith is a choice no matter how I feel. <clears throat> Feelings come and go. But don't let that take away your faith in the finished work on the cross. Believe the word of God because God said it, not because of how you feel at the moment. That brings such a stability to us in times of wavering and uncertainty. Have faith in God. We can't do without it. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I think faith brings feelings often. Um... But we can't depend on that for 
for our confidence in Christ. We have to just choose to believe the words that God wrote to us in His Scripture. And feelings come and go, but our faith doesn't need to. What is faith? There's a, a missionary... John Payton, a missionary to the, to the New Hebrides, and he uh, was trying to translate the Bible into their language. There was, he was learning the language. He was there on the ground learning the language and translating the Bible into their language. And he was struggling for months to come up with a word that dis- in their language that describes faith. And he just couldn't find a word that describes faith in their language. Finally, or one day he was walking along and he saw this man uh, sitting in a low reclining chair that um, held all the weight of his body. This man was sitting in a low reclining chair and he said, what are you doing? And the guy said, reclining. And he's like, John jumped up and he said, that's my word. I've got my word for faith. And here's how he translated it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever reclineth his whole weight upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. He that reclineth his whole weight upon him is not condemned, but he that reclineth not his whole weight upon him is condemned already because he hath not reclined his whole weight upon the name of the only begotten Son of God. And for myself, uh, I remember when this fact dawned upon me, it was life-changing. Um, I, I guess I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I struggled many times in my early teens and just trusting God and believing in the finished work of Christ and maybe you know, depending on myself too much and what, what I have done. Have I done it right? Have I confessed in it all? And have I said it right? And all those things. And it's just misery. And finally, when I came to the place where I just chose to just rest my whole weight, the, the weight of the eternity of my soul in God's hand, there was such a rest and a peace that comes by doing that. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to understand everything, but yet, the, you know, and God makes it clear, you know, just casting yourself upon him, and that's just like how, it descri- how John described it here, reclining your whole weight on him. It, you, there's no other way. It's the only way to do it. <clears throat> I saw an example of, of uh, let's just use this platform for an example. If I would have, before I came up here, been uh, cautious and not quite sure if this thing's going to hold me and, you know, take the thing apart and see if the studs are good enough and if the carpenter did it right. I didn't do that. I put my faith in the carpenter and his workmanship and I proved my faith by just stepping right up and putting all my weight on here. That is the work, is just stepping out in faith. It's not... um, our righteousness, it's not, we're not making ourselves righteous, righteous by working, but we are stepping out in faith and proving it by those works. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but just another illustration. God is asking you to put your whole weight on Jesus. 
on Jesus plus nothing. Just Jesus. So first we looked at... uh, The first thing we looked at was the need for bloodshed. The second one is faith. And now thirdly, in John 15, 5, it says, Without me, you can do nothing. Jesus. Without him, Jesus, we can't bear any fruit. In Jesus' day, they had many vineyards. And those vines bore two types of branches. One type was branches that bore fruit. Another type was branches that didn't. And with those branches that didn't bear fruit, they would trim them back. They would cut them off, put them on a big pile, and burn them. And John, in John 15, it says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned." Galatians 5, 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We can look and act like a Christian in many ways. But if, we, if deep inside our hearts we are not abiding in Christ... If the fruits are not there, let's not deceive ourselves. Jesus is ready, standing with open arms, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are a couple of ways that you can respond to Jesus' call. One is you can just refuse and not listen to him at all. Or you can give him lip service, not supported by deeds. Or you can make him master and Lord of your life. When we receive Jesus by faith, he comes in and he becomes Lord. He's not going to have it any other way. He must be Lord of everything. Lord of your eyes, Lord of your ears, Lord of your tongue, your hands, your feet pocketbook, Lord of your heart. Without him, Jesus, we can't bear any fruit. Jesus spent time alone with God. We must too. We must keep contact with him every day and sense his presence. Without him, we can do nothing to please him. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. We can't be righteous on our own. We actually are not even called to live a righteous life. It's Christ that lives in us. So we're called to die. 
and allow Christ to live in us. So in conclusion, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or pardon of sin. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And without me, He can do nothing.